building up godly men for a better tomorrow. This is On the Edge with Ken Harrison, where we inspire men of integrity to put faith into action together. Just before we get into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to our weekly devotional group. Just text the two words, Promise Keepers, to 31996. Every week you'll receive a challenging devotional that will inspire you to put your faith into action in the real world. Again, text Promise Keepers to 31996. And now, here's today's show. So James Robinson, uh, <laughs> Uh, there is nobody who's had more of an effect on me spiritually or as in being a man than you. I mean, you're a spiritual father to me. And it's so weird to be on your studio here. It's pretty cool because normally you're interviewing me. Now I'm interviewing you in your own studio. I don't know if that, that's going to be weird. but <laughs> Well, you own the place. It's yours now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to be short on words. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, man, what an honor. And people don't know, a lot of younger people, the massive influence you've had on not only the church, but American culture. I mean, you were significant in having Ronald Reagan elected president of the United States. You were a significant advisor to President Trump, not, not just an advisor, but a close friend. In fact, one day I called you and you told me, oh, I, I just hung up on the president so I could take your call. I'm like, you, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> now that's when you know you're a real friend. <laughs> I want you to know that, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that God did bless us. I mean, we had an amazing outreach with 600 citywide crusades. I mean, you've got to think, I've been on the shyest kid in school. God called me to preach. Um, overflowing the Coliseum in Houston when I'm 19 and uh, extends the crusade. And that was the beginning of 600 citywides. <clears throat> Billy Graham began helping me, 19 years old. And uh, we became friends and close to Franklin. Uh, you mentioned Reagan. I, I want to say this because uh, he really was a great president. But here, here's the significance. Billy Graham and I were members of the Southern Baptist Convention, both of us pretty visible evangelists. We had two pastors that were highly visible, was uh, Dr. Charles Stanley and Adrian Rogers. Billy Graham called a prayer meeting while we had a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher in the White House. Wonderful man. But we could see a threat coming. You're talking about Jimmy Carter, by the way. We could see a threat coming. That's our Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher. Such a good man. And... Uh, Billy felt like he heard God say that the Soviets are, they're gonna overpower us. We're gonna lose freedom in three years if we don't have a total change of leadership and an understanding of principle. And in two days of prayer, uh, God led Billy to say, I think somebody needs to talk to Reagan. Well, God made it where I could. I told him what these preachers said in what the prayer meeting, and it really impacted him. And uh, we hosted a meeting here that he said to Christians and business leaders, but primarily Christian leaders, I know you're nonpartisan, you can't endorse me. And I told him we don't endorse people, we endorse principles. He said, you can't endorse me, but I said that because I want you to know I endorse you. Well, that was headlines nationwide. He won the presidency. Here's what I want to say right now, and I want you to hear this. Let's don't get into discussion of liberal, conservative, partisanship, parties, even personalities of candidates. But let's just know this. God used a man miraculously that we had to have at that moment to give freedom and extension. Billy Graham was 100% right. We would have lost our freedom in three years, a thousand days. We didn't even have a war 
we won the Cold War. I was there when they tore the Berlin Wall down. I was in the Soviet Union when it threw open. I watched the miracle. Okay, here's what I wanna say now. I don't wanna get into a discussion about Donald Trump, about President Biden. I wanna say to this, Ken, that I know with all my heart, when you receive the wisdom God freely offers, Pharaoh can receive it. Four ungodly kings can receive it from Daniel. You can receive it from Isaiah, Jeremiah, from Joel, from Amos, from any of the prophets. You can listen to what they say and when you apply those principles, God's principles, those principles in place bless all people because that's an extension and expression of the effect of freedom. We're facing the very real possibility right now of losing our freedom. It's more serious than any time I've ever known. And our hope is not in the personality of our person. By the way, all the great things that happened with Mr. Trump, I know you may not, you've got your opinion. And there are 70 to 100 million people right now who think things weren't going right and they began to go right. And uh, we think we still have needs. Those people need to be led. And the only force on this earth, Ken, that can lead people in the right direction, best for all the people, is doing what the Father who loves all the people and gave his own son to set everyone free. That father knows what's best, not only for all people, he knows the principles that must be in place for you to deliver the best. And every time in the Old Testament, no matter how far they'd gone, when they accepted the principles from above, the people were benefited. Every time they left those principles, bondage and total chaos ruled and destruction. That's, that's the case throughout history. Right now, and this is the thing that's so important about promise keepers, because men need to be examples of leadership, not lordship, leadership, submitted to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the kind of man every woman wants to admire, wants to live with, spend her life with, where the two of them shared as one. That's what promise keepers can help inspire. But here's what you've got to hear right now. Please hear me. If we do not return to God and understand that all the great positive things that happened happened because somebody put those principles in place. I am watching every day those principles that were blessed and that have been blessed throughout the centuries being removed and cast aside, not positive. Let's don't get into discussion of personalities, candidates or people or parties. I don't endorse candidates, principles, parties. I endorse uh, parties or, or any, any particular person's point of view. I endorse the principles that are confirmed historically that are 100% in line with biblical truth. The church is the only influence on this earth that can lead all these people who really want the best to the one who knows best can deliver it. And I'm telling you, Ken, if we don't get serious about putting God's principles back in place, we're not going to maintain freedom. And that breaks my heart. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that we, we all agree on is that fatherlessness is one of the things that's driving a lot of this. You know, you see a lot of people who are marching around last summer bashing in windows. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about a lot of things. A lot of it was kids looking for some kind of community to belong to because they didn't have dads. Now, you kind of have the ultimate fatherlessness story. You were conceived in rape. You almost shot your dad when he came back to exploit your mother when you were 12 with your new hunting rifle. Basically kill us both. I mean, talk, talk, how did you end up being a guy who's selling out football stadiums 
having 60,000 people come to watch you as a very young man. How do you go from no dad to being so uh, useful in the kingdom of God? Well, I want to believe I was an answer to people's prayers. I, I was living with a pastor and his wife when God called me to preach. They certainly made beautiful deposits in my life, Reverend and Mrs. Hale. I, I think somehow God had a plan for me from the time I was born. I'm even glad I lived in poverty because I could identify with the struggles of people. And I know the nanny state and I know Uncle Sam and I know the socialist ideology is not best for anybody. And uh, I didn't resent people who had what we didn't have. I looked out, I saw freedom opportunity, uh, offers opportunity and I just went to work at age 12. And uh, man, I was effective because I really was dedicated to doing what I was doing. Everybody I worked for liked me. But anyway, God just uh, amazingly called me to preach. And I mean, it was a call and there was an instant anointing that was just uh, no way to explain it. But when you ask, what is it that seems to make things different? This fatherless kid got to know a father. And that father really did adopt me, and that's God. And I began to get to know him, and as I got to know him, I got to know his heart, and I began to share it effectively. It was amazing. If you saw God isn't dead, I had that same effect in two different universities where it just shook, shook the whole place. I mean, I'm a freshman speaking to the whole student body. It never happened before. I mean, it, it was unbelievable how God just used somebody who fell in love with Jesus and loved the people he died for and understood the heart of the Father. Now, I experienced success that I wasn't really, I, I, I didn't know how to handle it. And I was defeated. And so defeated that I despaired of life. Uh, I was surrounded by religious people a lot that are always arguing. I, I went into the, in the crusades, 80% of them, if not 90%, were started by businessmen, not preachers. Preachers were too busy arguing about who was going to sit on the platform, who was going to pray. Billy who was going to take crusades your crusades. I'm talking about my crusades. And that, but he, he went through the same thing. You know, Billy and I talked about this all the time. He, he just wore him out because he's the squabbling all the time. Who, who, who's going to pray? Who's going to take the offering? Who's going to get the cards from the people who make decisions? I mean, it's just endless. And uh, it just broke my heart. It was like you'd fight your way into town. You'd come in because some men wanted to win people to Christ and they influenced their churches and pastors to go for it. Sometimes we had great pastoral leadership, but a lot of times great pastoral leadership is, is they, they threaten the other people in the churches and, the, and pastors and they're afraid of that leader. It's too bad. I mean, we, we live very, uh, let's say, um, uh, unhealthily as a body that's not fit together. We're fractured. You've heard me talk about, I see a, a valley not of scattered dry bones, but scattered body parts, where we just sever the different members of the body we disagree with or we don't think are right or we think they're sick, and we just cut them off rather than coming together and getting healthy. Well, I, I really did really love God. And when the Lord showed me in deliverance that I was trying to live up to the expectations of men, the, the uh, uh, predictions people made, the uh, things they said about me, I had to live up to that. And I, it was just miserable. And then I was, I was really distracted. I was burning with, with women who liked me and they, they liked the strength. And I didn't know what, how to handle this business. I could understand sex and beauty, but being desired, I could feel it. I was a rejected kid and put had in the paper and given away after I was born. I mean, I, so I, I couldn't handle it. And I just cried out to God. And the friend Dudley Hall really, really got a hold of God in my behalf and helped me. I'm telling you, Kim, God did a work in my life. He set me free from me. He set me free from a lot of things, from my reputation, the expectations of men. And he let me see a forgotten world. He let me see the least of these. And that little child right there, this is nations all over the world, 70 nations or more who we 
put God's arms around the unseen. Well, we started doing that and had Betty sit by me, and you know that, how we've tried to call the family in the family room to get to know the Father. And, and I really want to really jump forward to that. God blessed everything that we did because as, as imperfect as I might have been, and we all are, boy, I really wanted His will. As I've grown now, and from the time you met me, I have become consumed. See, God cared about my dreams. He cares about everybody's dreams. He really does. As much as parents want the best for their children, the ultimate father wants the best for his children and knows how to help them accomplish that if they will delight in him. He'll even give them the desires of their heart. But he'll also refocus our desires appropriately, more wisely. But anyway, I, I just found that I had seen my dreams fulfilled. And in the last years, I began to literally crawl in God's lap every day. And I could tell it was like he looked forward to me coming. The way he did before I'd ever preached to the big stadium crowds, I would go alone in the woods in East Texas and, and I'd be amazed he, he would always be there first. And I once said, why are you here? And he said, because I knew you'd come. Because I knew you loved me and you wanted to be with me. I knew you were coming. And that was where God poured all this preaching into me. But I got away from that. I didn't keep going back there like Jesus kept going back to the Father. So when God set me free and put me on this new journey, at this later stage in my life, when he sent me to the ends of the earth, and I was delivered from my reputation and self-seeking, or even my dreams, I found myself losing myself in his dreams. I'm telling you, God has let me know, Ken, that he's so excited that a 77-year-old kid of his more anxious than anything to get in his lap every day and lean in and say, what's your dream? What's your desire? Ken, if it's possible to see a father's heart leap to know you really want to know, I really do. And more than I want the next breath, I want your will done on earth as it is in heaven. And Ken, I'm telling you, I live so excited because I excite the Father. And if the church, and I'm watching it in you, if the church could become excited about seeing His vision, His dream, His will fulfilled on earth, it would happen. And it would be the greatest manifestation of the glory and the grace of God the world has ever seen. And that's what His heart longs for. My heart longs for it, and the stage is set for it, and you are a chosen instrument, a member of the body of Christ to help lead men and families to reveal the Father through a healthy family, the body of Christ. There's no other force on this earth that the gates of destruction, dissension, division can prevail against, but the church. That's the one force those gates can't prevail against. And the church is the answer. Jesus revealed to his body, through his body, to a world groping in darkness. That's what my heart longs for. His heart longs for. And you know, from my background, I'm a cynical guy. And right. uh, I meet people and I don't get very easily impressed. And uh, man, when I met you, it was like instant, like the, the Holy Spirit in both of us connected. But 
I learned how real you were when we went to lunch at, at a restaurant you like to go to. I won't say which one. And the waitress came over. You knew her by name. She, man, she loved you. And then she tells me, you led her to Christ. And you led almost everybody in that restaurant to Christ. <laughs> and then she told me about the time you jumped up on the table during dinner one night and, and started preaching the gospel to the whole restaurant. <laughs> so you are the real deal. I mean, you're not just doing this on TV. Well, the amazing thing is everywhere. they listen. They listen. They've listened. Betty used to, my wife, uneasy going out to eat because she said, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> it, it makes and, and dessert There was awkward. a lot of that in the early days. But it would still be exactly just as effective today. It's amazing. That's awesome. Because I love people. I'm not trying to bother them. I love them. And you know, we, they may not even believe in God. But every time when I'd get through, people would tell me, walk out, I'd say, God, that guy's got guts. Mm-hmm. And then they would say, yeah, but God, he cares. That's what all the high school said. I would come in and tell them the unadulterated truth. But when I walked out, they would say, somebody came here that cared. Because I do, with all my heart, with every fiber of my being, I want the very best for you. And I know who can deliver it. And that was the strongest message I kept giving to the president. You know, you can't, only God can make America great. And he'll let you in on things that get better if you listen. You're talking about President Trump. I'm talking about him. I said it to every president. I said it to every leader. He's the only one that knows best. And he's the only one really capable of delivering it. And he's so anxious to heal this sick nation. But he needs the church to get well. I mean, we're, we, you quit talking about how Congress fights. The church taught him too often. I mean, look, look at the people that were sniping at this incredible, courageous group of pastors, Daniels. I called them Jeremiah's and Isaiah's that went in to tell the king who wasn't this suited up in great. You know what the, one of the most popular statisticians said this morning? One of the guys that's known as, what is it, Carl Rove, is who said this. He said, I want to tell you, this situation is such a mess that you could put Jesus Christ in the White House and they would want him out. Impeach him. Well, they killed him. I'm going to tell you. Here's the deal. Think about it. When God sent the deliverer and there was even a hen he might come, all the babies had to be killed. They had to hide Moses, who ended up being the deliverer. When the Messiah's coming, had to kill all the babies. In other words, the spirit of the world, the spirit of death, destruction, dissension, division, that spirit can't stand the deliverance that true freedom offers. And he's against it. And please know it's not a personality. It's not a person. It's not a party. It's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's God Almighty. It is the Creator. Debate that, deny that all you want to. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew exactly who the enemy is, who wants to be like God apart from God. And everything that tries to take the place of God or every encouragement to get you to depend upon something other than God is not him. It's not the father. And by the way, if you if you look in the Bible, it was always religious traditionists, even some of them biblicists, some of them of Israel who were arguing against the truth of God, who were denying even the wise Solomon didn't accept and live his own wisdom. We need to understand that it's when we live it. Because by the way, Solomon said, it's all vanity. It's a waste. I missed it. We miss him. We miss life. We miss the father and the relationship and his will being done in us, through us, on earth as it is in heaven. I've got 20 grandchildren now. Jeez. 11 grands and nine greats. Wow. And two more coming. Listen, our family love God. They love God. I, I think sometimes they don't even hardly know who their papa is. 
They know who Father is. This is a beautiful thing. We don't have to let the enemy trample this fertile field of God, the cultivated field, Paul says. We don't have to let the enemy walk over our families, over our communities, over our cities or counties or states. Why do we think that we have to give God's planet where he says, pray my will be done on my planet, on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we think he taught us to pray something unimportant or impossible when there's nothing? How about, how about we see the church? Listen, if the church will stand up, suited up in Jesus, every member come together in supernatural unity, submitted not to the teachers, preachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, thank God for them. They're gifts from God to build us up how? Into the fullness of the body, the statue of Christ, where we come together in supernatural unity, Jesus prayed for. And then he cannot be hidden. His glory, his grace, his mercy, his power, his principles that don't fail when in place. The forgiveness that he freely offers, the restoration he offers, the direction he offers, he opens blind eyes. He gives us vision and clarity. And he gives us fruitfulness and blessings beyond measure. And you become the shining city set on a hill that's impossible to hide. And I'm telling you, that's the invitation he's giving us today. It's the reason he's raised you, a former policeman, a tough guy, and then a very wealthy, successful man who suddenly finds yourself losing your life more fully in his kingdom purpose. And even from the time you walked in the office to talk to me, you lost it more when you saw the reality of his kingdom can come on earth, in us, for his glory. It can happen. It's not wishful thinking. Listen to me. There is no way you can ever show me in the word of God when you take the entire Old Testament, all the prophets, when they would return to God, they would again grow grain. They would again have the flocks. They would be fruitful. They would multiply. They would be blessed. He would make up for the years the pandemic ate, the locusts ate, all the liars and deception ate. He wants to bless you beyond anything you could ever imagine. He didn't leave the church here to spend lives in a monastery or locked up or hidden like the prophets were in the caves. He wanted us to be the brightest, shining, most fruitful fields on the planet to be the living garden of Eden, the garden of God, where the Father is producing the fruit in us. Another of the same kind, Jesus living in us to reveal the glory of the Father and fulfill the will of the Father. He didn't leave us here to be killed. He told the disciples they would die like he did. He made it clear we have to be willing to find life by losing it in him, but we don't lose it to die. We're willing to die. We're willing to be martyred. We won't be pressed down. We won't back off. We can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. We will proclaim another king than Caesar, than Pharaoh, than Washington, than the government or any power. We're going to proclaim it. We'll never waver. But he didn't say, you're going to spend your life in a prison camp, in a death chamber, waiting to be killed. He talked about us living as more than conquerors, overcomers in his name. That's what God wants suited up in the whole armor of God to defeat the enemy. We may have to go to war and fight, but that's not what he wants. He wants us to use the sword of the spirit, the word of God, not just proclaimed, but demonstrated. Demonstrating the life, not just individuals, but a family that's come together with one head, Christ. Mm, Thanking God for the leaders, 
but Christ, excuse me, I can't hold this back. It's in my bones like a fire. And I could weep day and night for those who are being defeated, for the little ones led away captive by the adversary. I just saw just, just in the last few days, they went in to do a drug raid and found 33 children, runaways, cast off, lost, that had been being trafficked. 33 in one place, just precious little children traffic. See, God wants to set us free. Such terrible defeat. And God is able. And Ken, you have been raised up to help the church stand up, suited up in the fullness of his glory, connected to the other members, one head Christ, exalting him name above every name and living as overcomers. That's what God wants more than anything. Don't tell me it can't happen. And please know this, he's coming back for a bride that looks like him. It will not be a defeated bride. It will not be a desecrated, divided bride. It will not be a bride being walked on by the tormentors. Isaiah said to the tormentors, we will speak to you, you will no longer torment and walk on us like a smooth road. Jesus said, you walk over the enemy like dust under your feet. You walk over the enemy like a serpent and a scorpion. You see them, you crush them. You know his ways, crush them. But to be overcomers in this life, more than conquerors in his name. Kid, if that's not what Promise Keepers is about, then Promise Keepers is not about what's on the Father's heart. And neither would you be. And I would say that to you. And you know it. Yeah, when I first met you, I was um, already getting close to burnout because of the amount of factions, the, all the voices, the criticism. You've got to have this speaker. And if, if you have that kind of stage, then I won't come. And if you don't have this kind of stage, then I won't come. And it was tearing me apart. And you, you've been through with all that already. In fact, you came from that world of sort of tribalism and the Southern Baptist guy selling out stadiums. And then... You called Billy Graham and you decided you were going to give him a lecture. I was one day. so Bible Baptist that I thought Southern Baptists were more, more liberal. You know, Jerry Falwell said, You make all us conservatives look like liberals. You're so conservative. <laughs> you make Rush Limbaugh look like a liberal, they told me later. The point is that I would often use the Bible as a club. And I was known as God's angry man. And it was plenty to be angry about. I mean, that was your reputation, yeah, God's angry no man. There's no question about it. I mean, I had a reputation. Because that's not the guy that I know at all. I had a, a reputation of being effective in winning people to Christ, like unbelievable. And there's no question about that. Um, but I think as I got tormented myself, I'd, I'd be screaming at my own tormentors. And it, it came across as anger. The scripture that God used in that time when he set me free was in James, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Boy, that got me. And God broke me and, and took compassion. I mean, he just totally changed me. But I, when, I was, when I was really hard on others, I, because Billy loved me and we were close, I called him and chewed him out. I said, look at all the different people you have in your platform. Uh, just, I mean, you chewed Billy oh, yeah, Graham out. That's right. That's <laughs> how arrogant can you get? And I was arrogant. It's just it's terrible. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. And uh, everybody was telling me how effective I am, how great you are. Just God help us. But I called him and said, Billy, you just compromise on all these people. He said, you don't know so what they believe. He said, do you know them? I said, I don't know them. He said, can I make a suggestion to you? He said, I want to suggest that you spend time with people you've been taught to avoid. Well, it's one thing for Billy to say it. 
But there was a bigger voice than Billy saying it through Billy to me. It was that father's voice. Spend time with people you can talk to a boy, and I did. Here I am going to see Oral Roberts and ask him to forgive me the way I talked ugly about him all the time. And I said, you know what God told me on the way here? Because I, I was gonna tell him all the things wrong with you, with, wrong with you, Oral. I was gonna come tell him all the things wrong with you. And then on the way here, he said, uh, God says, you're talking to me about Oral. I said, how would you like to know something about you? Hmm. I said, well, okay. He said, there's a lot wrong with you. How about you think about that? So I'm driving up there and it kind of changed my approach. And I said, you know what God showed me when I got more serious about praying instead of coming to straighten you out? God showed me you're lonely, Oral. That the religious world pushed you off to be an island unto yourself. The Methodists pushed you out. Pentecostals pushed you out. Charismatics don't know what to do with you. And he starts crying. God, I'm lonely. I've always respected you, James. Can't believe you're sitting here talking to me. And I'm telling you, Ken, boy, I watched God move in a man's life. It was amazing. I wish, I wish all of you could know all that I watched God do in Oral's life. And by the way, his own board would not let him tell everybody what all was going on in his life. And that's just really the truth. I'm not being, I'm not being unkind. It's just simply the truth. But boy, did God do a work in Oral. And I'm telling you, it was right there with him till he left us. I began to meet with these leaders from these different groups. And it was amazing the respect they had for me because of, of me really holding up the authority of the Bible. But I went in to love them and suddenly I started just loving them as somebody God loves. And they moved from looking at me as somebody they kind of respected and admired because I had a gift to all of a sudden realize this guy's here because he just loves me. And he loves all the people I'm trying to help. And all of a sudden, I started seeing people come together, just like the people that were praying for the president. Those people had been taught not to even like each other, much less pray together and be in a room together and take the criticism of the world for us being with a guy that had the approaches that Trump had had and the life he'd had. But he said, I, want, I, want, I really want to know the truth. And in, in, in our conversation, he said, I really do agree with you. He knows best. I need to hear that. And, and he did get to where he could hear it. He didn't behave the way we wish he had. Yeah. You know, Belichick doesn't dress the way most people think he ought to dress as a coach. He's kind of sloppy. He's not the greatest with PR, you know. He can offend people pretty, but he's won how many Super Bowls? A lot. Six. Yeah. At least, yeah, six. That's pretty good. We, can, we, we criticize so many people. How, how bad are the drill sergeants that train the soldiers to go out and defend freedom for all of us? They may not talk the way we think they ought to talk, but maybe they do the right job. Did you hire them to do a job? See how we argue all the time? But if you've got a guy doing a job, what if he would actually listen to people who will tell him the truth? He may not do everything we lay on him, but what if he does some of it? What if he's like the kings that listen to Daniel and the kings that would listen to the prophets and how Pharaoh listened to Joseph? What was the matter? you get what I'm saying? Okay, so these preachers have come together miraculously. That's the picture of what God wants to see the whole body do. Not to endorse candidates or parties, but to hold up the principles of Almighty God and demonstrate their effectiveness. So going forward, how do we pray now? How do we Christians take leadership now when a lot of Christians feel like, I mean, there's two sides to this, right? On the first side, we have Christians who voted for Joe Biden and are passionate about voting for Joe Biden. Sure. And there's division amongst Christians who, who are passionate Trump supporters. And secondly, as we see an administration right now that's just 
opening up the doors for abortion, for transgenderism, for homosexuality. How do we as Christians behave now? Are we supposed to say mean things? Are we supposed to pray? <clears throat> help, help people understand how to unravel this. We need to ask God to deliver us from calling people names. Okay. If people are defending something that is totally against freedom, against God's word, against principles we know are not only biblical, but historically confirmed, when you keep them, beneficial. When you violate them, the consequences are undeniable and, and so often catastrophic. So we keep pointing to the importance of those principles. You don't make fun of somebody who says, I have same-sex attraction. You don't make fun of somebody who can't seem to control their appetite. You don't make fun of somebody that has a, a battle with lust. You, you, don't, you don't make fun of people who are weak or defeated. You keep trying to show them, here's what God says is best. Here's what God shows is right. You're never going to help a person overcome an out-of-control appetite or gluttony by making fun of them. You've got to be their best friend mm. because they're not necessarily evil because something has a grip on them. Something, see, everybody is distracted by evil. Nearly everyone is too often defeated by evil, but not everyone is dedicated and sold out to evil. Once you get deceived to the point that you buy the lie and begin to promote the lie, you are then changing God's truth into a lie. You'll redefine gender, you'll redefine marriage, you'll redefine sex, you'll redefine basic moral practices. You can find justification for scrapping the Ten Commandments. Ronald Reagan rightly said, at that time, 50,000 laws, because we won't keep the 10 God gave us. Mm. You still look at those 10. Right now, the violations of people filing to get income when they don't even, they're not unemployed. The number of people that came to me, good employees, when they knew they could bring people back to work, you know what the people were saying to them? In a large number, I'll come back, but you gotta pay me under the table. I'm getting my unemployment. I'll keep getting the unemployment. You pay me under the these, these business owners are calling me. What do I say to them? How can I bring them back when they're asking me to be dishonest? I said, you got a real issue, you got a challenge. Right now we got people filing, we got, we, we just have a, a, a house bill right now put up that you don't have to have any identification to ask for an absentee ballot. Why couldn't we get 100,000 absentee ballots in the areas we want? I mean, you don't have to prove ID. I, I have stood in the line since 1960 to vote. Every time, every single time, if I have to do an absentee, I give them all my ID. They know me and my wife coming from this address in the right county. What we have just done, it wasn't a matter of counting the ballots. They needed to confirm that the ballots they were counting were even legitimate. Who wouldn't want to do that? If we can't know that the ballot and the vote is legitimate, how are we ever going to know that we had a legitimate election? That's the question. Quit arguing about the parties or the candidates. Do things that are honest. If you don't keep the commandments of God, you can't trust the people that work for you. You can't trust the person to work that you work for. Excuse me. It looks pretty simple to me. Mm. Well, sometimes, I mean, I was asking uh, David and Jason Benham about kind of what you were just saying. I love them. Uh, they are. I love their dad. They are amazing. Now, he baptized the lady, you know, of Roe versus Wade. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he did. And I was there when it happened that week, right there with him. Praise God. Love you, Benham brothers. They made a great point, which, you know, don't let it go to your head, Benhams, because you're not that bright, but you did, everybody, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. But, um, you know, we were talking about evil. 
And they said, you know, here's the thing that 98% of the people are just struggling with sin. They're enslaved to sin, but 2% are the enslavers. And that's how Christ treated people differently. The repentant that came to him, he had utmost love, utmost love and, and uh, patience. But the enslavers, the one that wanted to push down other people, use them, the sex traffickers, as, as you were, um, Jesus had no patience for those. He people. had strong things to say to those people. He had strong things to say to the self-righteous too. God may not have a greater enemy than self-righteousness. How self-righteous do you have to be to argue with God about the Bible? Pretty self-righteous. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, kid, I think that we're actually closer right now. Uh, all the people that would go off on what you've just been hearing, you, you would find the stream so much the same. The only thing they might say that you would know that they're right about, and that is why are Christians and people like you so unkind toward us? To, to mock somebody that's defeated, to a, a transgender, somebody that feels, it, it, it's just don't do it. Name calling, I personally don't like labeling at all. Mm. I, don't, I don't call myself a conservative. I don't, I don't call somebody discriminative. I do say left and right. That right is right, left is left. And I'm not talking about liberals all being left, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I don't like those titles. I don't like sectarian titles, denominational titles. Uh, I'm a Christian. I love God. I do believe that if you study the line of thought and you look at, say, conservative perspectives from a political point of view, which I spent five years just analyzing as thoroughly as I could, I believe the majority of those are more in line with biblical principles and truth and proven historically. I believe it, it's irrefutable. But you've got to take those principles and put them in place with the right spirit and the right attitude because some of the people who believe those things are mean. They're as mean as the people who believe the lie. There's no place right now, don't you think hate is at one of the highest levels you've ever seen it in your life? And, and hate never produces anything but dissension and death. It is love that never fails. It is love that never fails. And it's unconditional love. The thing that I keep saying to every preacher, every writer of the stream, everybody that we're trying to help know the truth. I say, always deliver the truth in unconditional redemptive love, like the love of the father of the prodigal for the kid. He couldn't go pull him out of the pig pen. He wasn't gonna let him bring the pig pen home, but he was watching every day for that kid to come out of that pen. And boy, did he cover him and did he welcome him and did he make him a son, not a slave. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of love if we Christians would have that love for the members of the body, they're not functioning right, or they're just out of sync, rather than amputating them, or trying to destroy them, or nullify them, or find a disagreement with someone and divorce them, why don't we try to restore? Why don't we try to restore that member? These two members must be connected with honor for one another for these members to work. And all these members connected must be submitted to the head in order to be healthy. That's a very true picture of what the church needs to be. Every uniquely designed member come together, submit to the one head. You mentioned the stream, and a lot of people won't have heard of it. You know, I, I find that trying to get accurate news reporting is so hard. People are so biased, but you've got the stream. Tell people about that, because it's a place to get godly reporting on the truth. It was an answer to 10 years of prayer on the part of leaders. And about five years ago, it was birthed, the stream. The stream is like the picture of the river of God, a river flowing from the throne of God. That's in eternity, in the revelation. 
But that river flowing from the throne, the mind of God, the will of God, it's already flowing. It's flowing now. His wisdom is freely offered. All you do is ask and seek. But here's what I think it's important for us to understand. That stream of wisdom is being fed by uniquely designed, gifted tributaries. He called them, in one instance, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I repeat something I said earlier in this podcast. Building us up into the fullness of the body of Christ so you behold Him in His glory, His glory on us, the family. So what, what needs to happen today is we receive these tributaries, but we don't make a tributary the river or the stream. You don't make Joyce Meyer the river or Franklin Graham the river or James Robinson or Stephen Furtick or anybody you have, or Charles Stanley, doesn't matter who it is. They are tributaries feeding into the stream of God's wisdom, all of them building us up into the fullness of the body of Christ. We have a tendency to gather around teachers rather than hearing the teachers point to the teacher, the Holy Spirit in us, pointing us and guiding us to all truth. If we could just understand that. So we launch the stream with wise tributaries. And I put Catholic writers in there who are totally consumed with Jesus. And they are speaking redemptive, corrective words to the highest levels, even in the Roman Catholic Church. We have leaders in the evangelical and Protestant world who will speak redemptive correction, but they're not trying to solve the theological differences that haven't been settled for hundreds of years. What they are trying to do is show how the church can have a positive effect on all the fertile fields of opportunity, which is the whole world. We can bring forth this fruit in every field, beginning with this field, then all the fields where we sow in the community and all over the world to bring forth that which looks like God, to protect the flock from the predators and the beasts of the field and the predatory birds of the air, protect the flock. That's deception, that's division, that's dissension, that's hatred, that's destruction. Protect the flock from that. If you do, they abound. Protect the ground from the weeds and the briars and the pestilence that comes in. Protect it, that's what we do. So we're building up the body of Christ. We're seeing the church healed. That, that is what the stream is there to do. Every day you can go to the stream, you'll hear these different writers. Don't start getting an argument, well, I see he had a background. We don't tell them to hide their background. We say, don't let your heritage or your background or, or the particular party you may work in to bring principles to that party or the church that you go to, don't let that church, that denomination, that sect, cover your head and separate you from Christ. It's a shame to have any covering over your head but Christ. Don't let anything, don't let promise keepers separate you from God. I'm a promise keeper. No, 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 no. I'm a child of the living God. I'm a member of the body of Christ. We work in promise keepers to help build up the body of Christ. The stream is uniquely designed, gifted, totally committed to the principles of Almighty God that are confirmed historically. If you don't even want to look at the Bible, look at history. God said, I revealed myself and what I created so that you're without excuse. You can't miss me. What I do is right there where you see it every day. Where do they find the stream? How do, how do they? Stream.org. Stream.org. Is it, it's yeah, not it, an app. It has yet, an right? app. You get an app for the stream. Do you have the app done now? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's nice. ready to go. You can take it on all of your um, social media devices. Yeah, and, and everyone out there needs to know, this is just you and me having a conversation. You're like this all the time. I am. I am. <laughs> we watched the national championship football team game last year, <laughs> and you preached two full sermons to me during the game. 
but the game was muted. It was awesome. Why do you, why do you keep coming back? Uh, you know, because I, it's just like a sponge, bringing it all in, bringing it all in. Do you feel, do you feel pushback against things I said today at all? No, not at all. Is it because you're just kind of a sissy? James, you know me. You know I tell you if I had a problem with you, man. I'd be on the floor. That's why you keep me around. I know. I know exactly where I'd be. Uh, but I'm scared of Betty, though. Yeah, I understand. Because Betty, she shoots huge deer. Yeah, she's a I, scary lady. She's 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 all. Listen, I'm watching Christ shaped in you, and the people that you love, and the truth that you speak to them, and you speak truth to some of the most influential people on the planet, and you love them and you want to see them be everything God wants them to be. And I'm honored that you received me. You know, I'm maybe old enough to be your dad. Uh, I am 77. I've been around a long time. You know what I hope everybody will hear? And just let me just kind of say this to you. If I thought I hurt you, I would weep. If I had a chance to say I'm sorry if I miscommunicated them, I didn't say it right. Please forgive me. But more than I want the next breath, I want God's very best for you and everyone you love. And I honestly believe I've been blessed to share that in a way that people experience it. And you said you have. You know, based on our numbers, we'll have several tens of thousands of people listen to what you just said. And I want every man who heard that to make a mental note, to make a pause on this video right now. What you just said, that's how you talk to your kids. You guys listen to me right now. What James just said, I want the best for you. If I said it in a way that wasn't great, I apologize with humility, but with clarity because we need father figures in the church and in the world today, we need men who will say it like it is, but say it with grace and humility. We have too few men not standing up for what's right right now, which is why they're letting boys into girls' bathrooms while we all sit around watching The Voice or whatever TV show is on right now. I don't know that I ever said anything to my children that had a more, a greater effect and impact than when I'd say, hey, how was it wrong? I was really wrong, and I'm sorry, I'm asking you to forgive me. I think that likely had a greater effect on the learning curve and the process in my beautiful children than all the times I could set it out like I know I'm right. I think that, I think that they could see the love, even if sometimes maybe I didn't express it exactly right. And kid, I want everybody to know, everybody that watches life today, everybody listens to me all over the world, all the people that I talk to, and I talk mostly one-on-one -on -one now to people, they know, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. That God offers freely through His Son, who not only died, but is alive, and sent another just like Himself to live in every one of us. And He really can. And so, Ken, that's what Promise Keepers can help inspire men to see and to be that kind of an example. Would you, uh, would you just pray for everybody as we, as we wrap up? Would you just pray for everybody out there listening to this right now? Because you have had a lot of very direct things to say, and I'm sure there are some people who are just reeling from everything you've said. 
from the wisdom of it, from the directness of it. Would you just pray that the Holy Spirit would just solidify that message in their hearts? Father, I want to thank you for Ken, um, for his beautiful, precious, courageous wife, compassionate wife. And Lord, I just thank you for his family. I thank you for his willingness to serve others, not only promise keepers, but in every avenue that you've placed before him and put him in. Thank you for him. Bless promise keepers. Help them inspire men to be the men that you want us to be. And Father, for everyone listening today, I want them to know I really do love them. But more than anything, I want them to know how much you love them. And then if they heard anything meaningful, it is because you love them. And you want to have such a fellowship with them, with them that they can just hear your heart all the time. And that if they could lose their life in your kingdom purpose and come to understand it, as losing our life in your dreams, Father, what are your desires? What do you want to see? Let us live to see your dreams fulfilled. I know, God, your heart leaps when I approach you because someone's coming like Jesus came. It's no exaggeration. That wants more than anything, Father, to see your will done. Your dreams fulfilled, Father. I'm so glad that pleases you. How much will it please you to see your dreams fulfilled in the yielded life of every person who places like yielded clay their life in the master potter's hand to be shaped into the image and likeness of Christ into a healthy member of your body, the church, your church, your family. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven because the King has come, kingdom come, thy will be done. In Jesus' name, through every life, everyone listening, amen. Thanks for listening to On The Edge Podcast with Ken Harrison. For a lot of you, this is our first time meeting and I want to tell the men listening about an organization I'm the current chairman of, Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers is an organization founded by Coach Bill McCartney that's led men across the world to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Promise Keepers is calling men back to courageous and bold servant leadership. To learn more and get involved in the mission of Promise Keepers, visit promisekeepers.org. Follow on social media or download the Promise Keepers app on Apple Store or Google Play by searching Promise Keepers. Through the Promise Keepers app, you'll receive access to devotionals, Bible studies, and other great articles and video content, and a community to build friendships, lead your family, and become transformative leaders. See you next time for On the Edge with Ken Harrison. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.